Hello, everyone. This is episode seven of Under the Wig. I'm Marnie McKenna. And I'm Ellie Smith. Our episode today is brought to you by MSLS and the College of Law. The College of Law offers the largest range of flexible, practical legal training programs in Western Australia. With online part-time and full-time study options and more than 10 start dates, you can fit PLT around your schedule. Google the College of Law to learn more. This week, we interviewed Damien Cripps, a specialist criminal and traffic lawyer, and our friend Emma's boss. Hi, Damien. Thank you for being with us today. A lot of students are interested in going into criminal law, and we'd love to know how you got to where you are today. When I first left school, I spent a lot of time, maybe 15 to 20 years, playing music. So I was uh, travelling, uh, playing in bands and um, living that life. It was a great life, and I remember thinking to myself that I had spent so much time in hotel rooms and not necessarily great hotel rooms, like really crappy hotel rooms, sharing them with guys that I was in bands with. And um, I had gotten to an age where I wanted to just spend more time at home here in Perth. So I went back to university and I didn't really think to myself, I desperately want to be a lawyer, I desperately want to be a lawyer. I just remember having um, people ask me questions and not knowing the answers to them. And after thinking about it for some time, I thought to myself, the law will provide answers to most of those questions. So when I was 35 years old, I went back to uh, ECU and uh, made an application to get into law. And they said, well, you need to get us all your TE scores because I was a mature age student. When I had started playing in bands originally, I had decided to go to Canning College and do um, my mature age TE. So I did that way back when I was 22 or 23. And I never did anything with that. So that just sort of sat there. Then, of course, come 35, I decided that I want to go back to uni and do this degree. I contacted TISC or HISC or whatever that um, agency is, and they had my TE scores sitting there. So it kind of all fell into place. So I got accepted into ECU, and then I did my four years up at ECU, um, still playing in the band. So I was living this crazy life where at night time I was playing in all the pubs and clubs around Perth and then going to my university classes during the, during the day, keeping in mind that I was 35, so I was a mature age student. So all of my peers at university were like, I don't know, 18 to 23. Um, so I was trying to always select my classes to be at from midday after midday so that I could sleep a bit. But I got through the law degree and then I had no aspirations to become a lawyer. I just wanted to do something maybe to secure a bit of a future for myself. And then um, I got to the end of my law degree and all of my friends were going off and doing internships and trying to get jobs. And I wasn't caught up in that. So I enrolled in the College of Law, um, which was really, really good because they offered a way to bridge all those things you don't learn in university, but you want to get, um, you need to get to practice. The College of Law year offers you all of those things. So that was a really good year. So I did that um, and then finished the College of Law and watched all my friends sort of get jobs and I had no interest in getting a job. I had a friend call me and say, uh, I've got a lawyer who's looking for a receptionist. Do you want to do that job? Because you need the 70 or 80 days or whatever that is of work experience to actually be eligible to be admitted. When this friend of mine rang me up, I went and worked for a a gentleman called Shane Brennan and he was a criminal lawyer. So it wasn't that I 
aspired to be a criminal lawyer or a lawyer in any way, shape or form. So what I would always say to people is don't get too caught up in where it is that you want to go. Follow the path. The path will open up. And, and, and then when you land on your feet, when you find yourself in a position where you're saying, oh, I've got a bit of control over what's happening with me right now, change. That's when you do your change, you know, like, so get yourself through the door. So that was my pathway. Well, no, it's a little bit of an elongated answer, but that was the pathway to me getting started in law. What does an average day look like for you? So there's no start and finish. It's really important to understand. If you accept that people need you, if you accept that people are challenged by the law, they're not dictated by it becoming nine o'clock and it becoming five o'clock. The, you know, law makes people desperate. So my average day generally starts at around, my alarm goes off at six and then I argue with that for about half an hour. <laughs> sometimes the alarm will win, sometimes I win. But sometime between six and 6.30, I'll get out of bed and I'll generally have messages on my phone. Now, my clients that are using substances will have been up all night. They will have solved all the world's problems and my problems as well and will have sent me a myriad of texts or there'll be missed calls. So then I'll filter through those, usually over a coffee and work out. Some of them do require response. My first half an hour of real activity is sorting through what's happened on my phone over the, overnight, delegating jobs, delegating to people what's going to happen. Then depending on what my court regime is for the day, if I've got a pretty tight court regime, it'll get hectic and then I'll rush off to court. Um, I have my children a lot as well, so when my children are with me, that's something that I've got to fit in too, like I'll get them organised their breakfast and get them off to school. When you ask me what my day looks like, the reason I think that's important for anyone that's coming up through the law to understand that is you, you can't be useful to your clients unless you're functioning. So, you know, sometimes if you sleep in, you don't get up till 9.15, but you work better as a person who gets up at 9.15. Well, isn't that better for the clients? I mean, I know a lot of corporate firms would argue that that's ridiculous. You need, you know, the corporate lawyers need to be in the door at seven o'clock. But if a person is way more productive between nine and six, I would way rather have someone in, you know, from nine to six. So this, that's kind of how my day sets up. And then I don't run my firm. Basically, I've employed people to make sure that I'm where I need to be. So. Generally, it'll be a, if it's not a trial, it'll be a morning of court and then we'll come back to the office and there'll be admin and try to sort out all the admin and, um, and I'll try to get out of the office between three and five. But my phone keeps going. I mean, by 11 o'clock at night, if people are ringing me 11 o'clock at night, I'd be reluctant to answer because I can't really do much for them. Uh, but anything before that, I'll answer the call and try to give them some guidance or advice about what tomorrow might hold. And... And it happens on the weekend too. The reason why it's important for people to know that is you've got to ask yourself, do I want to just be a lawyer and work for somebody else? Or do I want to try to aspire to be a partner or to have my own firm? So the, my days are very much dictated to me by my clients. One of the most common ethical questions I think a lot of law students think about is how do you deal with uh, defending someone who you suspect or you know is guilty? People always say, what about if somebody comes to you and they said, they killed somebody, but they want to go to trial. Well, if somebody comes to me and they says that they killed somebody and they want to defend it at um, trial, they're generally not going to give evidence. I can't act for you. I'm conflicted once you've told me you did it. I can't act for you unless we're just going to put them to proof. The way that I look at it is ethics. This is more just about the makeup of 
who I am as a human. Well, I would try to spend some time with the person saying, look, this is never going to resolve um, in your soul. If you just keep on the run from it, you need to... I'd try to have a conversation with them about pleading guilty because you have to remember it's their right to be defended. It's their right to have an advocate, and that's one of the, the basis principles that, that our system works on, that a person should have a representative. But if he says to me, I want you in confidence and privilege to defend the charge, but I did it. Well, I'm conflicted because I can't. So I have to try to talk him into pleading guilty. He still has the right to say, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go to trial. I can't tell the police that he's told me he did it. Now, if he keeps doing the same thing he's doing with me to every other lawyer, it just goes around and around in circles, never got representation because it's his right to defend the trial, uh, to defend his um, matter. It's a, it's a bit awkward and uncomfortable and it's a bit of a, a difficult area of the, 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 that justice system, but um, it's very black and white to me, like after having done it for so long. Uh, if they're telling you they didn't do it, you can act from all day every day, even though you think that, that they didn't. I said it was simple, but um, it, it's simple, it seems so simple to me. In practice, that takes a while to, to get your head around to, to actually be able to operate. Mm. But like you said right at the start, it's the first question people will ask, first question. Because they really think that lawyers go into court knowingly defending people who they know did the crime. It's like, well, that's just not – no lawyer would do that. Yeah. Why would you risk your practising certificate? You wouldn't do it. So hopefully that covers that. What's the longest amount of time that one of your cases has ever taken? Two years. Why did it take so long? Process. It takes a long time to get to trial. So usually if it's a serious matter, they'll – a person will get three adjournments of a month. So there's three months right there before they even start to get pushed in the magistrate's court to enter a plea. Then let's say they get their three adjournments and we go to the fourth and then on the fourth they plead not guilty. And then once they plead not guilty, then the police have got to gather all the evidence. The police go away, they gather all the evidence and then they give us initial disclosure. That's about six weeks. Then once we've got the initial disclosure, they say, you're still pleading not guilty? Yeah, we are. And then they go start putting together a trial brief and then it's generally got to move to one of the bigger courts and then when it gets to the bigger courts, it'll be listed for a trial. But like at the moment, we're listing trials in the district court in November, December. So, And then we've had COVID in the middle of all this as well, which has been stopping the courts. So, yeah, these it takes a long time. If you're pleading guilty, maybe six months. Uh, what are you proudest of in your career? Um, in relation to the law, I'm the most proud of the fact that I can help people. Um, I'm really proud that people, this is how it started, you see. I was in a hotel room in Melbourne and somebody took me to a meeting. I was working with an artist and he took me to a meeting with a person that was trying to do a book deal with him. And I just didn't know what they were talking about. I, I remember thinking, I, I have nothing, I can't help at all. Um, and that was really perplexing for me. So the, now when people ring me up or people come to see me, I feel like I can help people. And I mean, I understand that I charge people for that, but I offer a lot of free advice to people as well. And I could say the moment that I got my law degree, the moment that I finished my law degree could be a great moment of proudness. But I think it's better to look collectively about what the achievement 
collectively is of what you set out to do in the first place. How can I get back to helping people? How can I get back to helping people? And then, you know, go through the process of doing the degree and then wind up. So I started my degree in 2008. And what are we, 2021? So 13 years later to be able to talk to you guys and be able to say that now somebody rings me, I feel like I can actually help them. That makes me pretty proud. What do you think some common misconceptions about working in criminal law are? Well, the biggest one is that we know our clients are guilty and we do everything we can to get them off. And I would really love to be able to put an end to that, but I'm never. that's not going to end anytime soon. But what I would say to people is that we, most criminal lawyers <clears throat> are always trying to tell their clients, you need to plead guilty to this. These are the elements of the offence. You've ticked every box. We have no defence. You need to plead guilty. And if, if people understood that as a more general concept, then perhaps the public perception of what a criminal lawyer does would be less um, less grievous. Is that the word I'm looking for? You know, so uh, and a common misconception is that we have loads and loads of money. Well, for, for professional is an ability to make money, but the tax department are all over us. Hopefully most of the people in the legal fraternity are working within the law, so they'll be paying their taxes and that puts makes it pretty difficult to become you know, anything other than middle class, I would have thought. A lot of people are not going to like you in that. And, and this is really important. When I was a struggling musician and an electrician would come to my house and say, I'm going to put that globe in or do whatever, he'd say, it's $80 an hour. I'd throw my hands in the air. Oh, come on, man. It's really $80 an hour. I don't do that anymore, you know, because you understand that, you know, professionals, people are coming around. So when, you know, what I always try to say to other lawyers is don't heckle with, don't bargain with people. You know, like we, you make good money. You know, you, you have a responsibility to spend, to say, especially when there's COVID and stuff going on. I mean, our firm has just continued nonstop. We just, nothing has changed. I mean, we've had a few little spells where we haven't been to court, but the courts just ring us and we're doing court appearances on the telephone. Um, people aren't going to stop committing crime just because there's a pandemic yeah, going on. Well, the, the kind of domestic violence went up, yeah. you know, because people were at home and there was stress because, you know, the job thing situation really changed and people were smoking more and doing more meth and drinking more alcohol. You know, I, mean, I remember when March, April last year, Dan Murphy's, I went down to Dan Murphy's, it was crazy. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. believe it because people were just going to be at home. So I... I you know, I'm mindful that money's important to people, but try to balance it out with what you what you think, how you want your life to be. You know, like, and remember, if you once you get to a certain amount of money, you are the devil. I honestly believe that. Honestly, there's a level where you actually have to just give it away, and that's what you know. Bill Gates and um, Warren Buffett and those kind of guys do. They've gotten to a level of income where they, they it's just not. As a human being, you have to go, well, I can't have this. I have to give it away. Um, most people, the tax department gets to you before that happens. But, um, yeah, that, that's a, I reckon it's a really good way for people to go into any profession is just knowing that there's only a certain amount of money you can make before you start to change who you are at the core. Um, for current law students who are looking for internships or, you know, jobs in the legal field, what do you look for when you are hiring students or graduates? Well, I have everything that I need. You need to bring something that I have. 
and you need to show me that I need it, that I am. I want my people to work for me to go home at 5 o'clock. Go home at 5 o'clock. You need to go home at 5 o'clock. Don't come to me and say, I'm going home at 5 o'clock when I'm taking home with not interested in it because then your family hates me. 10 or 15 years ago, firms were looking for people to say, oh, I'm going to stay back late. I'm going to be here. I'll wash your car. No, 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 not anymore. What I need is somebody that can get all of those things done in a really good amount of time. Everyone should have um, a piece of paper somewhere written on your mirror, in your bedside drawer, in your purse, your wallet, your bag, whatever, with dot points, dot points that say, remind yourself every day what it is, those things that you were talking about then. That's going to be your life. That's who you're going to be. That's who you're aspiring to be. Um, because imagine if I'd said that to you and you said, oh, hang on a second, you turned the page over and said, here's my ongoing list. And at the top of that list is, I want to be employed. Doesn't it have to be, is that not what has to be at the top of the list? I want, because otherwise, why are you studying? I want to be employed comprises all of those things that you're trying to get to. Um, Those things that you were talking about can't be anything until someone says, here's money, come and work for us. That's employment. You, You take this money home and you look after yourself at home, but during the day you come to us. And then you can, when you're in that role, you start to expand and explore all those things that you're talking about, right? That, that's or do you want to do it for free? Not particularly. <laughs> yeah, no, of so, course. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Un, don't think it's unreasonable to say I don't want to do it for free. It's not. I mean, what? I mean, we don't live in a world where people do things for free. But it's. It's. We need your skill set. The world needs your skill set. So let us give you some money to bring it to the table to help people. Absolutely, that's what you need to do. Top of the list. Want to get employed. And then two things that go down to the side. One, well, what will cause me to get employed? I'm doing my double degree. They're, they're, we know that. So you've got to tick that at the end. So you have to complete the degree. What comes after that? But, you know, you keep doing lists like that. When those questions are put to you, they'll actually start to lay out really methodically in front of you. So when you go to interviews and stuff, you'll have this almost rehearsed, but not rehearsed, um, created structure about how you're going to say to this person, the reason I've come to this interview today is because I want to be employed and I know that I'm employable and I know that I've got everything you need. Here's why. And, you know, like because you will have been working on the list for a, a time. Then once you get employed, you cross out at the top of the list, I want to be employed. What do you want to do next? Oh, I'm employed. So now I want to change the rate of poverty in the eastern suburbs. How are you going to do that? Well, I think, you know, you know, like it's so easy just – and I mean people want to do it on their computers, but I'm telling you there's something organic about writing and making a list. And, and then, you know, because you just have a little book. My, my dad carried a book around with him all his life. Just turn the pages. You get his book and go back and have three years of notes. But he always had that book so he could go back and say, what did I say about that before? Oh, yeah, that's right. I made that note. Um, so – I could spend hours telling people about how to approach um, those kind of things, but I think just in those two or three minutes I've been talking about it, hopefully it's encapsulated some of the concepts that me as an employer would look at. If somebody comes to me and I don't, I'm not looking for any staff, but if somebody comes to me and blew me out of the park, I'll just go, we'll start tomorrow. Because if you've got something to offer, you're completely employable. Why would I want that asset? That person becomes an asset to the company. I don't want that person to go and work for somebody else because then becomes someone else's asset. Um, so in those lists that you're making, how do you become that person? You know, how do you become that person that be, 
and whether it's in um, human rights or whatever, you know, there's only so many jobs. But, you know, they'll audition people. It's an audition. Every job interview is an audition. You, you might watch the the voice or any of those kind of things and laugh at those people. Believe me, law students are doing the voice without the all the money that they're getting. The people on voice are getting money. People, law students who are going for job interviews are getting money when they get the job, but they're not getting money for the in, the audition. It's, it's an audition. Go in there and blow people away. You know? um, so if, if you want to get the job at the UN, what is it that you can bring to the table that UN would go, oh, man, we can't let this person go? It's not not an, but they're not easy things to be able to identify. You know, they, they, that, that's why you'll get the job because you are able to identify what they were. I suppose part of what you're saying is it's not just about having the skills that you need to show someone that you're necessary at that workplace, but also having the, um, I guess, like balance within yourself to be able to do it efficiently and on demand. Like you can't be working 15 hours every single day of the week because you can't live like that and you're not going to be able to work productively. It's about having that yeah, balance That's in your really life. well recognised. So those t- the two things kind of go hand in hand. That yeah. You're trying to um, balance people's mental health. Now, like and if someone's falling over mentally at work, people will. It happens. You know, like our mental health goes up and down for all of us. So if people are falling over at work and if you're a responsible employer or a responsible workmate or whatever, you need to recognise that and say, look, you need to take a couple of days off. And then if that person needs those couple of days off and they've got to go home, that hurts because you're down one team member. So exactly what you're saying, you know, if someone can be efficient rather than overloading themselves time-wise, then it, it has a double, you know, good effect. The positive is that you are having people not taking days off because they're unwell. I guess that comes with identifying before you burn out, um, like the early stages that you can say, hang on, I can feel myself getting to that point of exhaustion, just need to tone it down a little before rather than continuing that increased load and Super then, important. And then, yep. yeah, crashing. And Super important. Yeah. Of course. Um, just to wrap up, do you have any final one piece of advice for law students who are maybe at a point in their degree where it's like, wow, this is, this is scary, you know, this is a big, this is a big career aspiration, um, but they are sure that they want to do it? Yeah, so when you feel good, live in the moment, stay right there. Make it last as long as you can. And and that means if you feel love or you feel passion or you feel excitement or you feel euphoria or whatever it is that makes the hair stand up on your body, stay in that moment for as long as you possibly can because when you wake up the next day, there'll be a client breathing down your neck while you didn't file that form. There'll be a client breathing down your neck while you didn't do that. There'll be the legal practice board. There'll be the Australian tax office. There'll be your staff. There'll be your boss. There'll be somebody. It's super important. When you have moments of enjoyment, make them last as long as you possibly can because then when you go to ask somebody for something, an employer, a judge, a magistrate, your face will show a person who knows how to enjoy something. That sounds a bit philosophical and ridiculous. But if you can exercise your face with a smile, like both of you are right now, (laughs) when you get to a point where you're asking a person to give you something, a judge, magistrate, employee, lecturer, tutor, your face will show them that you've actually lived. 
And if you've lived, when you're asking a question, you're asking it real. It's real. Like when I say to a magistrate, I say, you're in my submission. I've been working with this client for two years. I never thought he'd get to the place where he is right now. But here we are. And I'm here making the submission. I know that I can make that submission. I hope there's not one piece of law in that submission. None. It's just me being a human being that's enjoyed the experiences of being a human being, getting to be able to sit next to my client and say, I believe he's come this far because he's worked hard. I believe he's come this far because he's tried this. So my, my advice is make sure, so super important, I tell my children all the time, when you feel happy, just stay in that moment as long as you can. When you feel something good, just stay there as long as you can because that's going to put you in a really, really good stead to ask people for things that you need. That's really good advice. Thank you so much for your time today, Damien. No worries. And anyone who's listening or that has any queries or whatever, don't hesitate to contact me. Find um, the firm however you can. Send me an email if you've got any questions or try to field them and um, answer anyone's questions if they do. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank you once again to our presenting sponsor, College of Law. If you enjoyed the episode, please follow Murdoch Student Law Society on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn to stay up to date.